So if you're not hearing the word no, you're not asking for enough. And say again, if you're not hearing the word no, if somebody doesn't say no, then you're not asking for enough. Welcome to CEO on the Go, the show about personal and professional growth for busy leaders like you. I'm Gail Lance, and I'm here to help you think differently, solve big problems, and inspire change. It's tough to do on your own and even with a team, but it is possible. So let's get started. When it comes to getting what you really want, you've got to ask outrageously. It's imperative when it comes to negotiating successfully and influencing effectively in a leadership role. And there are so many benefits to doing it, building better business relationships, improving sales and communicating more effectively. But you've got to have the courage and confidence to do it. And in my work with clients across different industries, they're often trying to figure out how to be more effective to get what they want, you know, whether it's getting more funding, compensation, recruiting new hires, winning new business. They ask, what should I say or what what should my strategy be to get whatever it is that they want? Well, luckily, I have a fantastic expert today who will shed some light on this topic. Her name is Linda Swindling. Linda is your go-to negotiation expert and author of Ask Outrageously, The Secret to Getting What You Really Want. So I encourage you to check out her book, and I'll share a little more about Linda in a minute. But you know, whether you've already mastered the art of asking outrageously or you want to help other people improve in that area, we've got you covered. What I especially appreciated about this conversation is the way Linda broke down four different styles related to negotiating. And you'll definitely relate to some of the scenarios that she shares and gain some insights to help you or your team negotiate more effectively. So a little more about Linda. Linda helps leaders negotiate everything from big deals to workplace drama. And her experience includes negotiation from the courtroom and the boardroom. Linda practiced law for 10 years and became a respected mediator in the Texas legal community. She's based in Dallas, Texas. And in some respects, we've done similar work, coaching CEOs and running executive peer groups. Her clients include Fortune 500 companies and organizations like Ericsson, Texas Instruments, AstraZeneca, PepsiCo, just to name a few. And Linda is also a TEDx speaker and frequent media guest who's been featured in Forbes, Fast Company, Business Insider, and other publications. She's also a friend I've known over the years who I don't get to see or speak with enough, so I was really happy to bring her to the podcast to catch up and share her expertise with you. Enjoy my conversation with Linda Swindling. Linda, welcome to CEO on the Go podcast. Thanks so much. I'm so glad that you're here because this is a topic that we have not covered yet, having to do with negotiation. And I know you have a book that covers that, and there's a lot that we could talk about today. So I'm eager to see from your perspective what you think is most important for my audience. As I mentioned before, I think that there are people listening in who probably think that they're pretty good at negotiating and asking for what they want and getting what they want. Um, And so maybe they're looking for some tips on how their people can do a better job. Um, And there's some people who may admit, you know, I need some help in this area. So you talk about asking outrageously. And so I wanted to start with that question. What is asking outrageously? Asking outrageously is 
asking for more than you think you need, asking outside your comfort zone. It's not being obnoxious. It's not asking obnoxiously and being rude, but it really is. I wonder if I could stretch. And Gail, you said something that's perfect. Many of your audience you know, members may already ask well. They, if they're running businesses or they're in a, a position in leadership, they may be at that one out of five that feels pretty comfortable with negotiations, with asking. And those people are always asking a different question, which is what you brought up. Okay, why are my people not doing this, right? Why are the people that I hired that are supposed to be so great, why aren't they asking? Why aren't they doing what I do naturally. Yeah. And as we talked about before, the topic doesn't just apply to salespeople or attorneys or anything like this is a universal topic that really I believe everyone should be practicing and improving. So where where would you start for a leader who's trying to get their people to become better? What should they consider or what are the conversations that they need to have to to put this on the radar? The question is not that we've all heard that quote, perfect practice makes perfect. And we'll hear people say, you know, you, you really need to script this and you really need to use these exact words. That is not the approach. What you're looking for is getting them to practice at all. And if you really want to get better at it, you've got to ask all the time. You know, you're asking at garage sales, you're asking at the grocery store, you're asking at flea markets, you're asking strangers to help you get better. So if that's something that you're challenged with, and a lot of us are, you know, that four out of five of us um, are not comfortable, that's that's how you get better. So if you're the leader, you start challenging your folks to get better and say, okay, so what did you try? What are you going to ask? How are you going to ask? And if at all possible, you reaffirm people. Oh my gosh, that's great. I bet you'll, you know, let me know what happens. And if you're affirming that they're asking, that is going to actually get you further. You might even, you know, if it's a severe problem and and with some sales teams, it is, or some people that are in that high net worth sales or that technical sales where they, they, they're brilliant, but they need to ask. You may have to really work hard at practicing with them at everything. Just, you know, live in the ask. You might even put it on their performance appraisals. Yeah. I love how you're, you're like presuming that they will ask questions from a top leadership perspective. It's like you said, just making sure that they know that that's an expectation. What about people who feel like it's a weakness or that they, you know, they're not used to asking for help or asking for what they want because it could be some kind of perceived weakness? A lot of people feel that way. And it's one of the top four reasons people don't ask. I mean, they don't want to look stupid. They don't want to embarrass themselves. They're supposed to be the expert. They're the ones that are supposed to know. So that's one of the top reasons. Um, Part of it's a kind of a technique you think to yourself, who do I know that's the highest level person? So I want you to think right now, Gail, if the person that you know that holds the highest level position or maybe a couple of them, they look stupid all the time, don't they? Think about it. They're always going, so what are we doing here again? Catch me up to speed. What what are the top two points here? And it's the project that you've been reporting to them on for five months. And they'll say, walk me through it again. And they're the ones in lead, right? So so that's one of the ways to to get around that. There's there's three other reasons that are also they not going to serve you in, you know, holding back. One is what if I overwhelm or bug the person? Well, no, if you have a solution, if you have something serious that's going to happen, people would rather you bug them than hold on to it. 
Or what if I don't use the exact right words? Well, then you'll correct them. Or the other person will say, can you tell me what you meant by that? And that's okay. That The biggest one that people often ask me, though, is what if I hear the word what? What do you think it is, Gail? What if I hear the word no? Absolutely. So would it be helpful to you if I bulletproofed you against the word no? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So <laughs> unless you're driving or riding a bike or doing something that, you know, is moving, close your eyes. So here we just close your eyes and listen to this. No, you can't have that. No, that's a crazy ask. No, no, no. Okay, Gail, just pat yourself on the back because we really <laughs> don't get money. Yeah. Did you survive that? Are you still alive? I'm. Uh, yes, I'm still standing or sitting in this case. Yeah. So if you're not hearing the word no, you're not asking for enough. And say again, if you're not hearing the word no, if somebody doesn't say no, then you're not asking for enough. And there's something that goes along with that. If you're not willing to risk hearing no, you may never K-N-O-W. You may never know their reasons. So a lot of us will hear the word no, and we'll just walk away. Oh, that was a stupid request or whatever. No, that the person's that you're asking, you're requesting something from someone who may be hearing it cold. You've been thinking about it for six weeks and you come up and you have all your ideas. This is brand new to them. Or maybe it's not. Maybe they've always said no. So the the trick around that, I'll give you the upgrade. The trick around that is if they say no, before you go and hide, before you go, I shouldn't have asked, ask a follow-up question and, and be polite because a third of the people will turn you down if you're not polite. So be polite. They, I heard you say no. I heard you say no. So I'm, I'm giving reflective listening. I'm telling you I heard you. Okay. You acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. I heard you say no. Can you tell me about that? Can you tell me about that? Because then that's when you're going to K-N-O-W. Either they don't have the right information or they need more from you. Or you're going to find out this isn't the right time. This is the wrong request or they don't have authority to ask. So that asking that follow-up question will help you both, K-N-O-W, no. That's a great tip. Yeah, because I think so many people are afraid of no. Um, yeah, and I would say the more you know or get no's, the more you grow. You know, it's a growth opportunity too. Exactly, exactly. So I know that um, you mentioned that you have a few different styles that have to do with, with how people negotiate. And I'm curious to know more about that. And also, you know, another question about um, men versus women. Are there differences in how they negotiate and how they ask for what they want? So wherever you want to go first, I would love to. Oh, that's, that's great. Now, both of those questions are good. Let's let's address the women, the women's, you know, issue. And there's books <laughs> out there. There's yeah. books out there. Women don't oh, ask, yeah. you know ask more powerfully or whatever. And great research done where women didn't ask. We would have been given the opportunity if we just asked. We would have been given the raise. We would have been given the sign-on bonus, but we didn't ask. There's a lot of that. Here's the thing, though. Once you explain to women that negotiation means we're going to have a conversation, you're going to ask them some questions, they're going to ask you some questions, and then you're going to see if there's an agreement. And if not, that's okay. But if there is, most women have no problem with asking and negotiating. They're like, is that it? When you reframe it that way. Yeah. Ah, yeah. And um, the word negotiation, which is a series of asking, right? Just seeing if you can get to an agreement. The word negotiation actually tells women to go do it. You ready? Knee, knee, 
go she Asian. Hey, go do it. Hey, women, go. So that's that was one of the biggest, and you know, we did a survey and research and had really almost 1,200 responses when we started writing the book. And that was the one that people said, yep, my religion, my upbringing school. But the majority of the people that gave us an answer as something that held them back was being a woman. Or we had people saying, I am a woman, and it did hold me back until I met my husband, my boyfriend, my boss, another woman who promoted me, my dad, my brothers helped me. And and often um, men will ask, well, how can I support women? I'm not a woman. How can I help? Most of the women said it was a man that helped them get courage. Yeah. I remember a mentor of mine said, you know, I noticed you didn't ask a question during this board meeting. I said, right. And he said, why? And I said, well, they told me to watch for a while. And he said, no, no. You were elected to this board. You were elected. You represent people. If you have a question, whether you agree with me or anyone else in here, it doesn't matter. Your question needs to be asked. And if he hadn't said that, I don't know that I would have raised my hand as soon as I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so much has to do with socialization. Uh, Well, like, like you said, there's so many reasons for that. But to bring that into awareness is is really important so that people can understand some of those differences. Sure. And it may be women, but it may be your upbringing. And I think that's that, don't you think? And you know, certain cultures, they, we all negotiate differently. And it may be what you were bringing up earlier was it's how, how are we wired? How are we wired? So most of us, I know you included, have taken an assessment or even given like you do. Um, and we may be familiar with colors or disc or animals or Lumina learning or core map or yours, whatever it is. Um, most of them have some some pretty good quadrant type divisions based on how your brain is wired. And so what I did was I created a, so what is this called? So we all have the same language. So let me, let me walk you through those just so you'll have the names and then we'll do the, so what? So how do you negotiate with them? Okay. So when you're thinking of someone who is extroverted, you know, gets energy by being with other people and very direct or logical, in that person, we would call those people having a preference to decide. They like, they're the deciders. They're always saying, what's going to get things done? Get me to the point. Uh, Give me the bottom line. Can you just do it? The people that are still extroverted, but a little more on the feeling side, the connecting side, we would call those engagers. Think of, um, if you want to think of a card deck, the decide people, they would be the spade with the get to the point, that point on the top. Engage would be the diamond rings, wouldn't they? They'd be the diamond in a suit of cards. And what they're always asking is, how can we connect? You know, work work can be fun. This could be fun. This this going back and forth is a negotiation. Let's not be so serious. How can we make this a creative opportunity? Now then, we've all met people who are also relational, but maybe a little bit more laid back. So they don't get their energy by being with a lot of people, maybe one-on-one or one of a few people. And those would be the, the hearts and the card deck, the suit, right? They, they're the people who are accommodators. And that does not mean they're doormats. They are, how are people affected? How can we keep the peace in this big negotiation we're doing? How do we find the harmony? And how can we help everybody succeed? So we all know people like that. And then the last one, and this one always gets the crappy name, and you may know this too, the leverage people. So they are they are also more introverted. 
And they're more of the logical. They want to get things right. So we'll hear them call, oh, they're conscientious or they're considering or whatever. No, they're leveragers. They have lots of information that they can leverage and they can tap into equally well. So whether it's information about people or information about systems. Now, the the question that we all know is, you know, what's the right way? Maybe not what what's the fastest, what's the correct way? No, it's what's the right way. And they've got that prove it to me. Can you just give me the facts kind of people? So I'm guessing they're the club in the card deck? They are the club because they manage many things well. Okay, good. I was trying to figure out the analogy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. so that's great. So so what, right? Where's the so what? Well, it's how do you negotiate with them? If you have someone who's that decider, that that spade, you don't want to chit-chat and waste their time. Chit-chat afterwards. Ask them about the bottom line. So what's your bottom line here? What are we trying to get? What do you need to have this this work? And they're the actually, they're the people that you can challenge their thinking. Debate, they use a lot that you've heard play the devil's advocate. Why are they doing that? They're doing that to see how strong you are in your position. So when you do that, you can say, I'd like to challenge you there. Respectfully, I think that we may want to look at something else, or you may want to look at this from a different perspective, where somebody else might say, how dare you? They're like, bring it on. What do you got? And you can politely do that. The other thing is give them a few choices. I see two things that that I would go if I were in your shoes. These are the choices. And then let them decide because they're the deciders. Yeah, I've worked with some of those. Uh, to your point, they'll say, I don't waste my time. Can you just bring me a couple of options so that I can make the decision? So yeah, it's a very quick kind of negotiation <laughs> in that, in that exactly. case. And yeah. if you're the one that has all those different options, you don't have to bring it the best one to them. You can bring the best ones to you. They just want to make a decision and move. So they can't get caught that way. Now, the, the engagers are a little different, aren't they? So back to those diamonds, you want to connect with them before you start providing details and all the logic behind it. You want to have a connection with them. And here's often they're seen as, you know, people that aren't solid. No, no. These are the people you want to ask for their input. Ask for the creative ideas. How can we make this a bigger pie before we divvy it up? What would what would work with communicating others? Because I know you're going to have to sell this position, this point. What would you do to communicate with the different divisions of this company? The one thing you got to remember with them is you've got to follow up because they're on to their next connection and they may not ever close that loop, close that deal. So take on the follow-up on your own. Yeah, the accommodate, those big-hearted people, relate to them, relate to the people that are going to be involved before you start talking about the profit. Yeah, look at the relationships. Mm-hmm. And they are the mind readers of organizations. So ask them about insights into personalities. So. If they're not the boss, who besides yourself is going to be making this decision? Can you walk me through what they would want to see, hear, feel? How do they like information presented? And all of a sudden, you get this depth of, oh, I better send a chart. And for that one, it better have pictures. And this one wants the bottom line. And this one wants all the numbers. The problem a lot of people make is they are inconsiderate around. They will just ignore them because they'll say, oh, well, they're too nice. They can't be making the decisions. You must include them because they can sabotage you. They're relied on for their trust. Which brings us to the leverage people. Sometimes they drive us crazy. Give me more, give me more, give me more. Well, the problem with them is for most people is they don't give them the information in a timely enough fashion. You got to give them time to think. And 
you've got to think they want to be more efficient. They want an elegant solution over an engaging solution. So ask them about what they've done in the past. Hey, can you talk to me about your processes, your attempts? What else have you tried? And give them the detail and evidence because they really think, you know, liars figure and figures lie. They will look through every figure you have. Now, would you like to know a little bit about which of these have trouble sometimes? Of course. I'm sure they all do in their own way, right? And in the combination of people that are engaged in the negotiation. Exactly. So we can have trouble with people, um, trouble with negotiation styles that are different than ours or that we have very little. And that's a pretty general. We can also have trouble with people that look just like us because it can be like being just like in the mirror. Have you ever dealt with someone you're like, well, gosh, I don't like that. And then you think, well, I don't like it in myself. Here's some natural ones that you see too is people who like to decide can find those hearts, those people with the big hearts, almost uh, weak or indecisive or wishy-washy. And they see that as a way to manipulate them. So they'll say, well, you know, he, she, they don't, don't even know their own mind. Why would, why would I trust them? The accommodate people, though, can also see some negatives there. They can find that the people who like to decide and just make those quick decisions can be very intimidating. It can be pushy, manipulative, controlling, sure. Yeah. And often that's the the dynamic you'll see. And um, if it's in a work situation, you might have had someone who likes to accommodate just slide the resignation letter under the door and you think, well, what you never came and talked to me. Yeah, what <laughs> right. happened? Right. And it's because we saw you as too manipulative, you know, that accommodate. The other fun one is the engage and leverage. So people who like to engage those diamond ring people, you know, the the shiny that oh, those leverage people, boy, they're so dull, they're colorless, they're boring, too serious, too wrapped up in their details. But on the flip side, what is leverage? Well, maybe the leverage folks are thinking, you know, those engagers are so flighty, they're so silly, they're so unfocused. I love this, they're unstable, mm-hmm. they're unpredictable. <laughs> so yeah. when you're thinking about those dynamics, often you might ask somebody, so you know which of these categories are they in? Or how do you see them? And then ask them, oh, interesting. What do you find wrong? Now, I often have people and and maybe maybe the leaders on here do too. Well, that's not my thing. I'm an accommodate. So I, I can't do this. I can't engage and decide. And I'll, unfortunately, if you want to be a master negotiator, all deals, D-E-A-L, have decide, engage, accommodate, leverage. All of them. Think about it. You have to make decisions. You have to engage with other people or think of how it's going to engage. You have to accommodate other sides and you have to leverage your knowledge, the people skills you know, in order to make a deal. So the best negotiators are all are people who can at least appreciate all those different styles and tap into them. And that's probably the key for, for dealing is, wow, why is this person not doing what I'm asking them to ask, they may have a different style of asking. So see if you can't, as a leader, say, huh, well, gosh, if they're if they're deciding, where's the pushback? Well, maybe they don't feel that they have decisions or it's too bold. You're the leader, so you make the decisions. You know, if they're engaging, maybe they feel like nobody really cares about how it's going to land with other people. And so, and they're not asking them for any creative input. So why engage? If they leave from accommodate, they might, they might say, well, all they're worried about is the bottom line. Nobody, nobody really cares about the people side of it. 
or they've gone around me, or if they're the leverage, they're like, I don't want to play. This is not, this is not a perfect solution. They're going to try to change everything that I built. They're not going to upgrade. They're just going to change it. Yeah. Wow. You've given such a great rundown on all of those styles. I can relate to to the scenarios that you described in each of them. And what I love about that is that it's, it's emphasizing a point that I make in a lot of the other episodes that sometimes leaders are too quick to assume that people are, are like them. And a lot of the styles that you are sharing tend to correlate too with DISC or, you know, some of the assessments that I use too in a different way. But it's great to be able to identify the different styles to bring more awareness and more effectiveness, you know, into the business. So I know that people, as they were listening to you, they were probably kind of self-identifying in each of those categories. But you have a tool, right, that helps right. people. So you, do you want to you speak to that really quick? Because I know we're kind of getting to the end of our time, but I'd love to know more about that. Terrific. If you'll go, um, I'll tell you, text is the easiest. Text 55444 and then just put ASK in the message and it'll send you an email that'll link it to most of this. And it's, you know, what what's their deal? And then what's my deal? So you know what you're leading from. Yeah, just text the 55444 or you can go to askoutrageously.com. That's a part of my Linda Swindling website and it has tons of resources on there for you. Good, good. Well, is there any final takeaway or piece of advice that you would offer for people who haven't really thought a whole lot about this topic and and need to be <laughs> to, to get better? Um, what would you offer them? Live in the question. Live in the question. Just when in doubt, go to a question, ask your people about what they're thinking. Um, ask and, and don't put any of your judgment on it. Just ask. Um, ask to know and ask to grow and and see what happens. And people are surprisingly good when you ask them for solutions, when you ask them for their thinking. I think when it's people like your people in your audience, your good decision makers, it's so much easier to give them the advice. Ask them, pull it out from you, from them, and, and they'll give it to you. They really will help. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Linda, thanks so much for, for having the conversation with me. It's been too long since we've connected. And I'm, I'm so glad that we could bring again, the, bring this topic to the leadership audience here. And I look forward to seeing you in Dallas uh, when I get to visit there soon. So yay, I'm so glad you asked me. Thanks so much for having me, Gail. Yeah, good. Well, we'll continue our conversation offline. So for everyone else listening in, I hope that you have a great rest of the week asking outrageously for what it is that you really want and doing the work that matters to you. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, be sure to share this episode with someone else who might benefit or leave a review. You can join my email list by going to workmatters.com so you don't miss an episode. And there you can learn more about ways we serve mission-driven leaders like you. If there's a challenge you want to discuss, I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, keep growing as a leader, inspiring change, and doing the work that matters to you.